Aldous Huxley was an English writer and philosopher. He wrote nearly 50 books, and here's his quote about history. That men do not learn very much from the lessons of history is the most important of all the lessons of history. Welcome to the History Slices Podcast, a mother-son duo discussing awesome bits of history. We prove on every show that history is not boring entertaining yet stimulating this is history slices and now here's your hosts jacob and rachel hello thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the history slices podcast i'm rachel and i'm jacob and jacob i remember we're talking about marcel marceau today and uh I just really like how his name sounds. Um, and, uh, yeah. Isn't French a beautiful language? It is. And I'm sure that the anglicized way of saying it is not really anything Probably like not. what it sounds like in French. But yeah, well, it it's, is so, it's still it is. pretty, even when I say it as an American. Yeah. Marcel so, Marceau, it sounds pretty. Yeah, absolutely. What do you, I always start this off like this, but what do you know about Marcel Marceau? Really? Uh, and as I told you last week, I and I didn't do any research. Of course. <laughs> I know that he was the most prominent mime that I can think of and that he wore black and white. And I, I couldn't even really tell you when he lived. I, I don't even know. I don't know really much. Okay. So I have a lot to learn today. No, that's totally fine. Yeah, he's an interesting figure. Uh, first of all, I know you know what a mime is. And obviously, I know what a mime is. But for any of our audience listening that doesn't know. It's a good place to start. Yeah, a mime is a type of performer um they're usually silent at least in character and they usually act out usually they act out scenes sometimes with props sometimes without our popular image of the mime which has been around for a while this thing but (laughs) our popular image comes from marcel mosso um like kind of the the look gloves and and everything yeah the white painted face yeah 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 that's right i forgot his face was painted he is considered one of the world's greatest mimes and I want to, well, what I want to do is I want to kind of talk about his history. I want to kind of talk about his career a bit and kind of, you know, some of the impact he had and stuff. And then I want to briefly touch upon some other f- famous mimes who aren't really household names. Yeah. Uh, that I don't know if. I couldn't name one other mime. Exactly. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of um, touch on them as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm excited. Let's get going. Okay. Awesome. So. First of all, Marcel Mousseau is not his birth name. Uh, he was... Oh, I feel a little cheated. Like, uh, that was a really cool name, but if it's a stage name, then okay. Well, we'll get to why. Fair enough, fair we'll enough, though. You got to gotta have a cool name if you're going to be, you know, yeah. the world's most prominent mime. His birth name was Marcel Mangel. Mangel? Oh, okay. M-A-N-Z-E-L. Okay, I can see why he changed that, actually. Yeah. He was born March 22nd, 1923 in okay. Strasbourg, France. Okay, so I wouldn't have been too far off because if I had said out loud what I was guessing <laughs> the era was, I was thinking the 20s. But if he was born in the 20s, I would have been off a little bit. But yeah, yeah cool. That's all good. He was Jewish. His family was Jewish. Huh. His dad, little background, he was originally from Poland. However, his mother was from Ukraine. So kind of a, a immigrant thing hmm. going on there. When he was around five years old or so, his mother took him to see a Charlie Chaplin film, which really inspired Because Charlie Chaplin, a lot of his stuff is, um, I don't know if he's considered a mime or not, but a lot of his stuff is kind of uh, based in that same... um, That's interesting. It was so physical because he 
they weren't talking movies. Yeah. So he had to communicate a lot through his body language. So that makes sense. Yeah. He was also, Marcel, was also apparently inspired by Buster Keaton as well. I recognize that name. He's like Taplin. Uh, you know, he's another An physical early... comedian okay. who was in like a lot earlier films. Okay. Um, this inspired him to want to become a mime, though he wouldn't get the chance until a little later on in life. Because um, when he was 16, the Nazis invaded France, which wow. is a bit of a downer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have a quick question, yeah, side question. Of course. It inspired him to become a mime. So mimes actually existed or did he sort of create they the existed. genre? They, were, they, they did. Were, yeah, okay. they were around. I don't know. I don't think they... He didn't invent miming. No, no. That was okay. a different person. I think Marcel kind of popularized, at least in um, North America and some other places. Mm -hmm. But he popularized mimes and kind of look of mimes. Okay. Uh, but he wasn't the he wasn't the inventor of the craft. Okay. Okay. That's a good way to put it. So to take us back to where you were going when I interrupted yeah. that question, you said he was 16, the Nazis invaded France, and he's a Jewish boy. Yes. So his family, of course, they uh, fled to another French city that was a little farther, you know, in the country, I guess. Or you know what I mean, like away from the border. Say called. I'm gonna make an attempt to pronounce this name. Limogos, Limogis. I don't know. That's that's completely wrong. I could tell immediately. L i m o z e s. That city. If you're French, I'm you sorry. You know what we're saying. I like your country. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was a bit of um. It was a bit of a tragic time for him. His father was put in a concentration camp and perished there, <sighs> which obviously was a really, um, yeah. a real tragedy. But thanks to his cousin, George Munger, his cousin, he ended up falling in, Marcel ended up falling in with the French Jewish resistance. Um, mm. And he played a part. He helped rescue a lot of kids and a lot of people from the Nazis. So, you know, he's like... That's a, a really cool tidbit to yeah. know. I mean, we could stop right here because I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I had no the idea end. that Roll he, no, you yeah. know, he had an impact beyond just... The arts. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was uh, he was a hero. Um, yeah, that's very cool. In that sense. He this is when he changed his name, by the way, to Marcel Marceau. Because it was a reference to Francois Severin Marceau, huh. uh, who during the French Revolutionary Wars of like the late 1700s, early 1800s, that was a French general at the time. So sort of like a tribute to him. Yeah, yeah. So while it's totally understandable to think, oh, it's a stage name, yeah. which it kind of is. Yeah. Uh, it, at the time, it was a um, a tribute, and it was because he was part of a resistance thing. Anyway, so. After Paris was liberated, he joined the French army like proper. Uh, he actually spoke a couple languages. I, he spoke, obviously, French, as, you know, because he's French. He also knew how to speak German and English as well. Mm. Um, so he was pretty, you know, helpful there. Once the war had finally finished in 1945, he was like, okay, cool. Now I can pursue my dream in the arts, which he did. He enrolled in the School of Dramatic Arts in Paris. And yeah, like he... Um, he did pretty well in there. He joined, uh, one of his teachers was um, a actress named Jean-Louise Barrett. And he ended up, when he finished his schooling, he ended up joining her acting company. He played like, you know, like his first, uh, to give an indication of how talented he was, like one of his first like major uh, roles, he got public acclaim. Wow. Like they really liked him. They right out of the gate. Wow. Yeah, yeah. 
So um, this was on stage? Yeah, this is on mm-hmm. This is like stage work. And so they traveled around like France and he got like a reputation as being a very good mime. Like his name started to become known. Yeah. He made a character. You know how Charlie Chaplin had the tramp, which mm-hmm. was like kind of his it wasn't him, but it was kind of him. You know, it was yeah. like a character he played in like a lot of movies and a yeah. lot of uh roles and stuff. Nine forty seven, Marcel made Bip the Clown, and that was his character. Oh. And that's like the iconic white face glove, got on like a hat with like a feather yeah. and stuff. Bip, and, huh? Yeah, cool. Bip. And he would just really simple name, and I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, and in his various acts and shows, Bip would go around and or go, you know what I mean? He would get into all these crazy, wacky hijinks for like, oh, uh, he's, you know, in a bike race, or oh, he's on a plane, or you know, whatever. It's all like, um, he's, I know some mimes use props, and I don't know, like, what the, opinions on that um but he didn't he it was all um he communicated out. all of that just with his body language yeah That's a lot incredible. of his later performances i say later 70s era performances you can find on youtube they're really amazing it's all very artsy fartsy and i mean that in the best way possible <laughs> what do you mean how do you mean uh, well just like because when you cause, well to give an example, I watched an interview with him and he was talking about his inspirations and kind of like his thought process behind like some of the um, scenes he would act out or just get to it. And he pop, he um, some of his stuff that he did is because they're classics now, like a lot of people training to be mimes <sighs> or whatever, kind of go back to these like and I'll name off some of them in a bit. But basically he was talking about how one of them and. I, I did go find this one on YouTube. It's very impressive how much control this guy had over his face. <laughs> I know wow. that's a weird sentence, but it is. He had this scene called the mask maker. And what he would do is basically, as he explained it, it's about a guy trying on different masks and different like facial expressions. Mm. And I can't really act it out because we're yeah. on a podcast we're not, we're not from a camera. But basically, and I wouldn't be able to do justice anyways. Basically, what he did was he would um, have his hand up over his face and his expression would change very quickly. Like I go from a neutral to like a really happy to like a really sad. To, and there was at one point in like the performance I saw, he was switching on masks so crazy that his face was just like just changing wow. like wow. it was nuts. And uh, as Marcel explained it, um, he's like the last um, the last mask is like the mask maker represents humanity and all the faces human humanity has. And the last mask is humanity's true face. Uh, and so it was all very, very interesting. interesting. There's a lot of meaning and symbolism yeah, to it. It wasn't all very just art. Yeah. And I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, just. <laughs> well, because art tries to communicate. Without, yeah. Yeah. It, well, it, I was going to say without words, but that's not always the case either. No, but, no, but yeah. Art's about communicating feelings mostly right yeah, and, yeah pretty much it's about kind of exploring um yeah the like, human condition and yeah yeah you know it's all that and i'm like yeah no sir that makes sense it's a yeah. cool performance uh but anyways so that was bip he um he once compared bip as a or called him a modern day don quixote Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because I'm like, oh, that's mom's favorite book. Yeah, Um, (laughs) I really do like that. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So um, 
But why? Why? I think it. So Bip the Clown was like Don Quixote? Yeah, I think it might have just been all like the wacky hijinks he got in and stuff. Okay. You know, That's I don't think he thought he was a medieval knight. Or yeah, no, like no. That. Yeah. More in the personality, maybe. Or yeah, something. than the, the story. Mm-hmm. What's funny is that despite being a mime and being silent, when performing off stage, out of character, he was known as being very talkative. That's something which I thought was really humorous when yeah. I read that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I don't know, like I've heard, um, and I don't know if this is a misconception or a rumor spread by non mime people to other non mime people. I don't know. I heard that like uh, at one point or another, I heard that there's like a vow of silence or whatever that they're supposed to take and huh. i'm like i don't know if that's true huh. or it definitely wasn't true for marcel because because he had a reputation he for was being a chatterbox a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just huh, not interesting. in character yeah. yeah but yeah some of his scenes that he made besides the mask maker which uh i talked about uh, already was the cage walking against the wind i feel like the cage is probably one that i'm, I'm assuming that's the one where it looks like he's in a glass box probably, sort of yeah yeah walking against the wind which is what it oh, sounds yeah. like yeah which is hard to do by the way in the park which i'm not too familiar with and one of them which i unfortunately i couldn't find like a good video of this one but i'm sure it's probably out there i just didn't look hard enough or whatever but a critic once talked about um one of his scenes called youth maturity old age and death oh wow and that right yeah, that's really why serious. i wanted to try to find yeah. it but a critic he said and, and and this is a very short quote don't worry he said that he accomplishes in less than two minutes what most novelists cannot do in volumes, mm. right? So people were very impressed by this guy. Wow, that's really something to have that kind of admiration for what you do. Mm-hmm. He must have practiced a lot. Yeah, it must have been. He, he, he's considered, like I've said this before, he's considered one of the greatest mimes mm-hmm. in like world history so far. And when you hear about all like the um, praises and stuff that a bunch of people gave him, you're like, ah, I can kind of, you know. Yeah, and as as sad as his his youth was with the all World War II and everything, I'm sure that those experiences helped shape his performances, who he was, and then you know, in turn, his you know, they're not real. I'm, they were like, what am I trying to say? <laughs> that they are um, significant, like that youth, maturity, old age, death thing. You yeah. know, that's a serious. That is. That's a serious, real human condition yeah. that everybody can identify with. Well, and- what's interesting, and again, I unfortunately am not very well informed with mimes in general. There's a lot of things I'm, I, I need to be more informed about, I feel like, but I don't know if I need to be more informed about mimes or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? I get the impression that it's... It's comedy, but it's also can be serious comedy, as if that makes sense. Like things that make you think about. Yeah, well, like I'm reminded of um, again Charlie Chaplin reference. I'm reminded of um, I think it's City of Lights or something like that. One of his films. It was a talkie. It was like a, at that time later on, but he um has a very sad like story. It's very funny because it's Charlie Chaplin, but it's also like. Oh geez, that's sad. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's um it might just be like looking for that emotional response. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um which if so, this is success. But yeah. um another interesting thing I found out about him is he founded the first pantomime company. Obviously theater companies were a thing, of course, mm-hmm. but 
you found the first kind of all mime one. Interesting. Which was was called, that still in France? Then yeah, this was, mm-hmm. I think was still in France. I mean, I don't I don't know that he left France like to live, but so I'm assuming yeah. Compagnie de mime Marcel Massou, something like that. Uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, I can't. I can't. <laughs> yeah, France is a difficult language for me, which is. But the makes me wonder why we keep the company was named him. after him. It yes. bar- bared his name. Yes, okay. it was literally like Marcel Massou's mime company. That's Marceau, what Marceau. <laughs> yeah, Marceau. So now keep in mind, most people in America didn't really know what a mime was uh, at this time. In 1955, he did his first tour in the United States, and that kind of got a lot of people like. Oh, look at this yeah, what crazy is this? European thing, oh. you know? Uh, and uh, they really liked it. You got a lot of saying ovations in Chicago, in San Francisco, Philadelphia, a whole bunch of cities. It was in Washington, D.C. Like, he did, like, it a... It was successful. Something uh, that is really apparent about this guy, he liked to tour because he toured everywhere. That's how he got worldwide fame is because he toured all over no the kidding, place. No huh? kidding, Like, all, like, Africa, Asia, like, well, a bunch then, of different... Well, back then, YouTube wasn't around, yeah, so it's not I like know, he could yeah. be filmed and then have it distributed throughout the world, so he had to actually go there. That's mm-hmm. That's interesting to think about, too. It also helped that he had a lot of televised appearances. Oh, yeah, that's um, true. That's true, because there was TV. It's not like there wasn't film in 1955. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't yeah, that yeah. long ago. But but it was still like, he was like, I don't, I don't want to be too overly speculative about his thoughts or whatever. But he was very photogenic, probably because he's a performer. So I was like, well, yeah, mm-hmm, duh. Mm-hmm. But also just like, he didn't mind being in front of the camera, you know. Well, at one point, we'll get back to that, but at one point he even uh, collaborated with Red Skelton a few times. Huh. Ooh, I know you you know who that yeah, is, I, I, but yeah. for people who don't, he's a, another kind of physical comedian from like back in the day. But yeah, he had a few movie roles as well, Marcel did, including the 1968 film Barbarella, which is a film that I personally am a fan of. So I recognize that name, but I, I don't think I've ever seen that movie. Mm. So was that? I wonder if that was filmed in Hollywood and he was living uh, in the States during the time of the know. film. I think that's a French film, but I oh, could is be it? well. Oh, it's based okay. off a French comic book. Oh well, maybe maybe it was maybe I'm totally wrong. I don't know. Yeah. He was. Uh, it's a weird movie. First of all, yeah. like I'd only recommend it if you're into weird '60s movies that are probably designed to watch well stoned. But yeah, was his? Um, he was a bit underutilized in that. He was okay. That's yeah. kind of my question: was uh, what kind of role did he play? Yeah. Was it like a? He was like a, a scientist doctor dude. Yeah, but it, not like a significant role in the. In it the was movie like or? a supporting role, okay. but it wasn't like. Um, that's interesting. He wasn't very physical. Uh-huh. <laughs> I makes me yeah. question why you cast him. But yeah. it was his first film role where he spoke in English. Oh. Um, so there's oh, that. Cool. I don't know if that's interesting <laughs> or not. Uh, it's interesting to me. But uh, but he was in other movies as well, other films. He also, to show kind of how prolific this guy was, he wrote two children's books. Hmm. One about spelling and one about counting. Oh, no and it kidding. Was really Marcel Marceau, Book of count numbers or whatever you know yeah. and it was like just for younger children i wonder did he have children himself yeah we'll get to that it's very interesting to look at this guy marcel marceau and compare it to the last person we covered vincent van gogh mm-hmm. because they both rose to fame and success but in completely opposite ways where van gogh was depressed and not successful until after his death marcel was very well adjusted at least as far as we know and enjoyed like fame and success in his life that's Uh, nice it's nice to know that he was happy and really overcame 
a really rough start. Yeah, honestly, like the whole world at that time. I guess anybody who's living, but yeah. to be a young person too and have that, you know, in the formative years, and then he really. Well, that's one of the reasons why, like, the baby boom happened. Is all these soldiers were turning home, and it was like a. Uh, I don't want to be too crude, but it was like a big celebration, let's yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people were really happy that, mm-hmm. oh, thank God that's over mm-hmm. with. Let's just yeah. find normal life now. <laughs> so later on in his life, he ended up, this is a weird uh, kind of connection, but he ended up befriending um, pop star Michael Jackson. This was at Jackson's like. Um, that's like, fascinating. Kind of more of it, the height of his career or like whatever you know, before everything uh, yeah. <laughs> that happened <laughs> later on. But uh, some of um, Jackson, Michael Jackson, he spoke very highly of Marcel Marceau. And he was a big fan of him. And he took a lot of his dance moves from him. That's so that's really interesting. What about the glove? Influence. Yeah, there might have also been something like that as well. That's I don't interesting. Quite know, yeah. But a little yeah, shout out maybe. Maybe, yeah. But that's just another kind of connection, I think. And I don't know, but I I get the feeling that Michael Jackson's a little more well known than Marcel Marceau is. I don't know. But that I would be know. an interesting pull to take, you yeah, know, because of course I think both of them might be known worldwide. Yeah. Although maybe people just, maybe know more about Michael Jackson. I'm just speaking, I guess, from a more American perspective. I yeah, don't know. that's really fascinating, though. So by the time that Michael Jackson and Marcel were getting to know each other, Marcel Marceau must have been in his 60s. Yeah, about yeah, he um. He lived to 2007. So you mentioned that uh, he, you you asked if he had kids earlier. Yes. Yes. Well, he actually, throughout his life, and he lived to be 84 years old. Nice. So, That's yeah, good he to had hear. a pretty decent run of it. He was married three times. The first was to Hugaret Mallet. I think I say her name. Unfortunately, they ended up divorced in 1958. Mm. I don't know the reasoning for it. Maybe it was just like differences or whatever. It didn't work out regardless. Then he ended up uh, marrying Ella Jaroswitz. Uh, they ended up married in uh, 1966, so a little while later. But Yeah, so he was unmarried for some time. Yeah, but unfortunately that also fell apart as well. Mm. He ended up divorced. Uh, finally, he married and. I'm trying not to call her Sicko. Her last name is S-I-C-C-O. Psycho? Not Psycho. No, that's worse. Let's say <laughs> Sicho. Sir. Anne. He married uh, a woman named Anne in 1975, and they stayed together until he passed away. I imagine it might have been hard to be married to somebody mm-hmm. like that who travels a lot, who's Probably. got pretty high demands on his time and attention. So did he have, who did he have kids with? With, um... Well, throughout all these relationships, he ended up with two sons and two daughters. I'm not One of them he had no kids with. One of them had the daughters and the other had the sons. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure which one's which. But um, uh, he also had, I don't know if it was a an affair or a relationship or what, what have you, but he had a, um, well, I suppose it was a relationship uh, with um, Paulette Frankel, who was a is i should say she's still living she's a courtroom artist she's still living yeah she's still around she wrote a book about her uh relationship with marcel wow uh which i'm not going to um i'm not gonna repeat the title probably because i don't really remember it it's kind of a long title also because it's uh it's like it's like what was it um love lust in my time with marcel or something like that uh, <laughs> you know in marcel uh, you yeah. know it's very like, huh, okay, so they were a thing. A little bit of a biography type. Kind of, yeah. He got a whole bunch of honors, a whole bunch of awards. 
like um before he passed he was very he was like a like i wouldn't necessarily say like a list celebrity because i don't really know what that means or how one would quantify yeah. that um but he was um he was one of those celebrities that like met with heads of state and stuff you know what wow. i mean you know like he was yeah. really well known yeah. he was really famous he passed away like i said when he was 84 on september 22nd 2007 there's a uh there was a photo of him from 2004, and I don't know if it was just an unflowering photo or not, but he looked old. <laughs> like I, I know obviously he was old, but I mean he didn't look. He would have been about 81. Yeah, he he um he didn't seem very. I don't know. I don't want to judge or be like subjective or anything. Go like ahead, that. spit it out. What did he, he look didn't like? look good? <laughs> yeah, he, he not looked, just old, but he looked. He he looked kind of. I think he passed away in his sleep. I don't think it was an illness or anything, but he looked sickly. Okay. And that might have been just because of, like, his life as a performer or something like that. I don't know how, I don't know what effects, positive or negative, that would have on the body. But regardless. He didn't look great in that picture great. from 2004. Yeah. But um, his costumes and his belongings, like the whole BIP outfit, it um it sold for a staggering, like, seven hundred thousand dollars at an auction in paris which is they anticipate an amount but it was it ended up selling for like almost double that amount that they anticipated it you know it had the top hat paintings and stuff art stuff you know it was like his stuff basically a lot of those um objects are up for poke display um i think in paris i like the Mm. national library oh that's so cool so yeah so you can i mean well that's neat maybe not now but yeah (laughs) (laughs) with everything going on uh but like if you ever visit paris you can maybe check that out yeah that sounds really cool Mm -hmm. now recently like march of 2020 recently a film came out called resistance that was about marcel's time with the French Resistance during World War Two. Huh. It stars Jesse Eisenberg. I haven't seen it. I heard it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe not great, not terrible. It was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but don't let that like if any of our dear listeners are curious and want to check it out, go check it out. I might go check that out. That's yeah. that. Well, I don't know. It may <laughs> not be my type of movie, maybe but not. it sounds like it would add some depth to um, knowing about Marcel mm-hmm. Marceau. Uh, another funny like little uh yeah another funny little side note during my research i didn't know about this movie <laughs> until i was watching videos of his performances and i scrolled down to the comments just out of you know curiosity and there's a lot of comments saying who's here from resistance I'm like oh that's what's that funny. so i i looked i'm like oh they made a movie of course they did <laughs> oh that's really funny i'm surprised kind of it took so long maybe yeah i don't know yeah so before like we really wrap up i wanted to um talk about some other kind of famous mimes and kind of said some light on them there's i don't want to make like a super long list because i didn't want to bore our audience or you um with like just a bunch of random french people (laughs) uh but i are all the ones on your list french no no i tried to be very international when selecting i selected four that i thought were interesting okay um First one was French. Um, his name was, and again, this is a very suspect pronunciation. Um, <laughs> Yutnin de Crocs. Okay. I think that last name probably ends with C-R-O-I-X. Yes. Which I think is pronounced Croy. Croy. De Croy. He lived from 1898 to 1991. Wow. Nice long life. Yeah. And he is considered or at least credited as the father of the modern concept of mimes. Oh, cool. They've obviously were around before, but kind of like the 
the concept of it came from him and Marcel was one of his like uh, pupils. Oh, that's very cool. So I thought, there you go. There another famous mod. He has a very French name, which might explain why he isn't as well known in the Anglosphere. Could be. <laughs> but um I'm like, that's cool. Maybe he didn't travel like Marcel did or something. Possibly. I don't know. Robert Seals is an American. He's another one. He was born in 1951. He's still living. He helped popularize mimes in America after uh, Marcel, of course. In the um, in the 80s, he, Robert Seals, had a show called Seals and Yarnell, which starred him and his wife, Lauren Yarnell. And they kind of did like performance stuff. So like I, on TV? Yeah, like on TV oh, that's and stuff. Cool. I'm like, so yeah, that's pretty neat. Um, I found a picture of them. They uh-huh. look like they're from the 60s, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> this next one is a Swiss theater troupe. I'm going to attempt to say their name because, again, it's not English, so I don't know. Mummenstats? Something like that. It, it's, it's like um, play off the word mummer, which is like an old old term for a um, a performer, basically. If you ever read the... Game of Thrones books, they use that term. <laughs> oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, which made me think. I didn't know it was a real term until later on because I just knew it from Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Um, anyways, they utilize a lot of props, all masks. They're still around. They formed in 1972, so they're a long runner. They number seven members. They used to have eight, but unfortunately, back in the early 1990s, one of them had passed away from AIDS. Oh, gosh. Which sucks, yeah. but... They're still going. They're so still going. Get on them. And do they travel too? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Tony, the last one, is a man named Tony Montanaro. He was born 1927 and lived until 2002. Um, so again, a while. Really a contemporary of Marceau. Mm-hmm. He founded, uh, he was a, a, a established mime. But what's interesting to me is this guy, he founded the Celebration Barn Theater, which is like a performance school including mime work, but it's also like other performance stuff. And some of the alumni that's going to producing went on to become um, puppeteers for Sesame Street, for the Muppet Show, uh, performers for Cirque du Soleil. I think that's how you say that. Cirque du Soleil, something, something like, like that, that, yeah. And a couple of them became writers for Between the Lions, which is that's a... PBS Yeah, it's a, it was a PBS show. Like, um, I say back in the day, it ended 2010, uh, huh. Which blew my mind because it's been decades since I thought of that. So, yeah. but yeah, that's amazing that 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 one school produced so much, so mm-hmm. much good. That's really cool. Yeah, well, it, it just goes to show you that like um, there's a field for a lot of stuff. There's probably a field for anyone. Uh, trick is finding it. <laughs> the trick is finding it and then being bold enough to, to go after it. Yeah, yeah, and um, create things that weren't already there. Yeah, and it's one of those things that. When you think about it, like, well, of course, there's a bunch of puppeteers on Sesame Street, you know. But you don't think about where did they all, how did they get there? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's the same thing with, um, I've flirted with the idea of being a writer. I'm not good at it, but I've thought about it. And one of the things that, like, you don't realize is there's writing everywhere. And I'm not talking books. I'm talking, like, signs. I'm talking, like, uh, 
menus. I just there's writing everywhere, and it's like, well, someone somewhere has to write all that stuff. <laughs> you know, you don't think about it because you're just so yeah. used to seeing it. Labels. I mean, yeah, yeah. label. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, totally. Can you imagine just for a second what the world would look like without any letters? <laughs> well, any words written? The Incas they develop their language didn't have they didn't have a writing system, um, but they still built like Machu Picchu, and they still had like. They also had a unique counting system as well with like um, like bundles of sticks and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was like, um, I think if I'm not confusing them with some something else. But um, yeah, it's um, I can't imagine we would be where we are now. Anyways, that's a little bit of a side thing. Serious. I wanted to. Yeah, I know. I want to talk about Marcel Marceau because I didn't know too much about him myself other than famous mime, question mark. So I... <laughs> So I, I was doing some research. I thought, oh, this would be a cool topic to talk about. And so I'm like, yeah. Uh, I thought he was a really cool, inspiring story. I thought it was very, I don't want to say lighthearted, but it was a lot nicer than the trials and tribulations of Vincent Van Gogh that we covered yeah, last time. Yeah, that's really the true. The kind of general zirkusness of Andrew Jackson we covered <laughs> before that. The, you know. Yeah. Um, that one whaling vessel we covered way back where yeah. like everyone died. Like I thought this was like a nicer kind of thing. I think pace. so too. I think it's a bright, kind of a bright spot. I think you did a good job covering sort of the mm -hmm. biographical information. So two of the interesting things that I learned, I think were his involvement in the war effort or whatever, however you want to phrase that, and sure. how long he lived. Like, I'm surprised that he was living during most of my lifetime. Mm -hmm. I know what you mean, because that kind of surprised me too, because, like, um, I really know when he lived, either. like, if you go on his, if you Google pictures of him, there are a lot of them are black and white photos. So uh -huh. I'm like, oh, so he's, you know, old times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, he... Um, he passed away a year before Obama was elected, to put that into context. Yeah, that's so. a really good way to put that into context. Wow, yeah. that's really crazy. I'm sure at the time we probably heard it and didn't really sink in or remember no, it, but no. that's really interesting. Well, nice job talking Thank about you. Marcel Marceau. I, I, I'm glad you're interested. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. I hope our audience did as well. I hope um, so, too. Yeah, I'm real... Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I know that like we've been covering a lot of people recently. Next time, though... Uh, we won't be. But before I get into that, uh, you were going to say something. I, I actually was going to ask you. Oh, great minds think alike. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. So what are we going to talk about next week? Because I know you promised that it wasn't going to be about a person. No, so I'm curious. This is an event. Okay. Um, and this is the uh, the football war. The football war. Yes. And I'm not talking about what we call football in America. I'm talking okay. about what we call soccer. Okay. Um, but everywhere else calls football. Oh, that's so, cool. Okay. Yeah. So I haven't heard of the football war. I don't believe maybe like a vague glimmer somewhere in the back of my mind about the football war, but nothing else really. So it'll be a blank slate. Awesome. Great. Well, I can't wait to dive into that. It's a crazy story, but we'll get into that next week. Thank you for, uh, for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for listening until then. Bye. Confucius once said, Study the past if you would define the future. You've been listening to the History Slices podcast with Jacob and Rachel. We hope you've gotten some useful information from the show. We hope we made you think, and we hope you were entertained. We know we had fun, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook at History Slices and on Instagram at History Slices Podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And tell a friend about the show. That'll help us out too. 
One more quote before we go from Michael Crichton. If you don't know history, then you don't know anything. You are a leaf that doesn't know it's part of a tree. Till next time, this is History Slices, signing off. 